evening, everyone. Good evening, good evening, and good evening. This is your boy, James Doggett Jr. I am your host for this evening, and I'm so excited that you have chosen to tune in at our midweek point. Who in here needs a word from the Lord? You're ready to worship God. You are at that place where you are spiritually sensitive and you desire to hear from your Lord and your maker. Listen, tonight is the night. I'm so happy that you made it to this point and that you had the good sense to tune in this evening. Let me welcome all of you who have already tuned in. You guys are punctual. I love that. You're right on time. And that means the world to us. We want to make sure, though, that you share this. Make sure that you share. Press that share button. If you are watching via Facebook, we want to make sure you share it. If you need to shoot a text message to somebody, tell them that they need to tune in tonight because they don't want to miss this amazing worship experience. Now, listen, we are at the fourth night of our quarantine moving forward revival, and the Lord has been good. He's been so good to us. We're going to do a little backtracking, and we're going to remind you what God shared with us throughout this week. But I just need to know real quick, who was here at our launch night service? Who was here on Sunday night? If you were here Sunday night, I want you to put that inside of the comments. As a matter of fact, I can see some of y'all now. I see, let me see, who's who's here? We got Lorna. Um, we have some folk all the way from, oh, yeah, yeah, from Georgia. We got Rock Hill SDA um, in the building. We have uh, Kansas City, Missouri that's being represented tonight. Let me see, Donna Kay, I see you. Samaya, you're watching. Uh, Ashley Guadalupe, I see you guys. We're so grateful that you guys are tuning in and we celebrate your presence this evening. Who else is in here? Um, let me see. Who was here on Monday night? Monday night when we had Pastor Richard Martin, he was here with us. Um, that was an amazing experience as well. What about last night where we had Pastor Laurent Grosvenor who did an amazing job in taking us to the throne and delivering a power-packed word? Mayan Boyd, I see you in here. Robert Hawkins, who gave us our music on the very first night. I see you tuning in. We're grateful that all of you all are here. And we want to just take this time to encourage you to use those comments in that comment section to let us know where you're tuning in from and to communicate with us. And we'll be sure to interact with you through this evening. Also, again, I'm going to pause and I'm going to say it one more time. Make sure you share Make sure you share. The Bible declares, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with thanksgiving. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. If God is good, let me see you. Click that like button. Tell me that God is good. Say he's good. Raise those hands. I need to know that you know that God is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures through all generations. All of you who are now tuning in, we welcome you to the quarantine moving forward revival. We have some very special guests who are here tonight. Um, I'm going to introduce both of our guests in a minute, but I just want to go backwards and just remind you guys of a few things that we were able to uh, receive. Rashad Burton told us that God is good and that as long as we're in network, guess what? 
we can be found by him no matter what condition we're in. And God's going to take care of our needs. That was a powerful message that Richard Martin told us that we can trust God in transition. Oh, yeah. He gave us three points. And I hope you guys wrote those points down because I'm not going to go all over them right now. I'm sure the preacher might, you know, go over them before he preaches. But then last night we had Pastor Grosner who told us, listen, God has perfect bad timing. Like his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I'm excited that he was able to deliver that message. But tonight, tonight, we got a preacher in the building. We have Pastor James R. Doggett Sr. I need to make that very clear. Sr., the man, the homiletician, uh, the, the, the one who has taught so many of us. We, we want to tonight use the hashtag um, QR Sensei. I, I told y'all this, and I don't know if Dr. Doggett knows this, but the, the hashtag is QR Sensei, and this is why, because he is our sensei. Many of us who are preaching inside of this quarantine revival lineup, not everybody, but most of us, we sat under his tutelage, and he was able to mold and shape us in so many different ways. So again, the hashtag tonight is QR Sensei, and we want you guys to use that. I see you guys saying hi in the comment section. Listen, Dr. Doggett has over 30 years of pastoral experience as well as 20 years as a homiletics or a professor, a theology professor at Oakwood University, my alma mater. Pastor Doggett, Dr. Doggett is from California. He is so wise and so anointed that he is a Los Angeles Laker fan and he's die hard all day, every day, Lakers till we die. That's what I'm talking about. So that speaks volumes of his character and that speaks volumes of his intellect. So Dr. Doggett is a Lakers fan, but listen, he's also very much into community service. He, he's more than just a, an orator. He, he doesn't just talk with his words, he talks with his feet and he goes out there and he'll blaze trails. He's done so much for our denomination in the world. And on top of all that, he's an amazing dad. He's an amazing grandfather. He's an amazing husband to his wife, Erin Doggett. We celebrate her as well. And we want to make sure that you guys know that Dr. Doggett is here tonight. Dr. Doggett, do you mind just unmuting yourself and just saying hi to the people real quick? Hey, hey, glad to be in the house. I've had a ball with this revival. And I'm a little mad that I have to preach tonight. I want to hear some more good preaching from the young guns. Listen, we are happy that you have joined us and we're happy that you've been enjoying yourself. That's great. But we are looking forward to the word of God as it will be delivered through you as his vessel of honor this evening. Can I stop here and just encourage all of you? Well, before I encourage you to do this, let me say thank you. I need to thank you guys. You all have been so responsive in giving to the cash app, the money sign, the quarantine revival. You guys have used that cash app and you've been sending resources, and we are so grateful because some families are about to get blessed tremendously. But here's the deal. We have not received, or at least I have not noticed anybody reaching out yet, letting us know if you know of the family that is in financial crisis or if you are in financial crisis. Listen, we want you to reach out. Use the Quarantine Revival Facebook page and let us know. And all of you who have been given, thank you, thank you, thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your seeds. And we want to encourage those of you who might not have been able to give yet that there is an opportunity to help families who are in crisis by sowing that seed using the cash app. And here's the handle, the money sign, the quarantine revival. Again, the money sign, the quarantine revival. And we celebrate all of the money that goes there is going to go toward helping families who are in financial crisis during this pandemic 
We celebrate you and we thank you for your generosity in your giving. Now tonight, we also have a very special guest who's with us. We have Antoine Cooks, who's going to sing our song of meditation and preparation. But before Antoine Cooks sings, we have another preacher in the building. His name is none other than Pastor Damon Hendrickson. Do you mind unmuting yourself, Pastor, and saying hi to the people tonight? Hey, hey, good evening, everybody. All the way from Bermuda, want to let you know that we have enjoyed ourselves during the quarantine revival. It has been an amazing, an amazing experience. I'm so excited by what God is going to do and has been doing in these first couple of days. I'm excited to hear what Dr. Doggett is going to say tonight. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming. And this is what's going to happen. Before we have our song of meditation, we're going to have Pastor Hendrickson. He's going to lead us to the throne in prayer. Can I just see all of you who know that prayer is needed more than ever before right now? We need to assault the heavens with intercessory prayer. Don't just pray for yourself. We're encouraging each other to pray for one another. And tonight, our intercessor will be Pastor Hendrickson. And I want you to know that he is also going to preach tomorrow. So I'm grateful that he's able to come tonight to pray for us. But tomorrow, he's going to be delivering that power-packed word of God. So before Pastor Hendrickson takes us to the throne in prayer, let me encourage you where you are. Can you please assume some position of respect? I know you might be in the comfort, comfortable confines of your house. I know you might be in your kitchen, maybe cooking some food. But if you don't mind, we're just going to stop real quick, and we're going to pray. And Pastor Hendrickson is going to lead us in our intercessory prayer tonight. Pastor, do you mind taking us to the throne now? Sure, sure. Father God, we are so grateful for how you have shown up so far in this quarantine revival, where others thought this thing was going to break us, where others thought this thing was going to take us down. What this actually has done is provided us with a medium to get the gospel to all the world. And the word says when we do that as a witness unto all nations, then the end will come. So I thank you for every man and woman that will speak the word of life over these next three weeks. I pray in a very special way for everyone that is tuned in, whether it be live or they've watched the rebroadcast, whatever their need is, may they find that you answer their need according to your divine will. Father God, tonight we want to raise a special prayer for a brother Antoine Knight, who in this last week lost his mother and his aunt. And so we ask that you will rally around him, that you will wrap him in your bosom of love. And may he know that even as he goes through the valley of the shadow of death, he doesn't need to fear anything because you are with him and you will guide and protect him. So bless he and his family. God bless everyone who's affected by this awful pandemic who have lost family members and loved ones. This has been a season, Lord, where we have seen so much death. So we look forward to a better day. We're reminded in the word where the Bible lets us know that you will come down yourself and wipe away every tear from our eyes and the former things will be passed away and behold, all things will be made new. We look forward for that day and that time. Father God, there is a preacher in our virtual house tonight in the person of Dr. Doggett. And so I pray that you will bless the man of God. You'll give him clarity of thought and clarity of speech to speak the words that the Holy Spirit impresses upon him. And when we leave, God, may we not leave selfishly, but the blessing that is about to be bestowed upon us, may we share it with someone else. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you so very much for that prayer. At this time, we are going to hear from our friend, our family, Antoine Cooks, as he takes us to the throne right now and leads us in our song of praise. Wherever you are, I want you now to just prepare yourself, lift up your hands. If you wanna sing, 
you can sing. Lift up your voice and let's allow God to hear us this evening, no matter where you're located around the world, celebrating and honoring
want for you, you to be glorified, you to be lifted high. All I want is for you, God, you to be glorified, you to be lifted Hey. hey, we are your people and we want you to be glorified in our lives, through our lives. Here is the prayer. Oh, feel my life. Till all they see is you, Lord, and the glories are your name. Feel our lights till all they see is you, Lord, and the glories are your name. Feel my life till all they see is you, Lord. to ask that Dr. Doggett take us higher as we focus our attention on the word of God. Dr. Doggett, if you can unmute your mic and let us know what the Lord has laid on your heart. We are ready to receive. If you're ready, why don't you go ahead and press that, that like button right there. Press that like button if you're ready to receive. As a matter of fact, if you're ready to receive, let me hear you say amen. Yes, I hear you. I hear you. Say it one more time. Say amen. 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 Dr. Doggett, the floor is now yours. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I'm thankful for this opportunity to spend a little time with the saints, and I am thankful for what I've experienced thus far with this revival. The bottom line is that I believe that this was in the mind of God many, many years before it was in the mind of you, the one who is, in fact, the, the founder of this event, the one who is the host pastor, and I want to thank you for being obedient to the voice of God. One of the things I'm saying to people all over the country is this is an unusual time. We've never experienced a time like this before. And so there's not a book written on yeah. what to do. Everybody who has a relationship with the Lord needs to talk to him right about now. Yes, sir. And whatever he tells you to do, just like Mary said to those who came looking for a little relief at the wedding, Mm -hmm. Whatever he tells you to do, yes. do it. Yes. I'm a living witness that when God puts something on your heart, yes. you have enough faith to act on it. Yes. He's going to see it through yes. no matter what the obstacles are. And I am grateful for this revival. The ones who have been preaching so far, I've been thrilled listening. Yes. Absolutely thrilled. My soul has been touched. Those who are preaching uh, have preached thus far, I should say, I've had a relationship with in the academic setting prior 
And so there's a teaching and a learning thing going on. But right now, those preachers who have preached are young generals in yes. God's army. Yes. They're the guns, and they are going to war. And I thank God to be on a team with you guys, the young guns. In fact, I need to ask, why am I in this lineup? Come on, man. <laughs> why am I in this lineup? These young guns are bringing the fire. And I thank God for first night with Rashad. Rashad Burton, who was gifted when he came to school, and God's just been pouring into him and through him yes. ever since he left. And Rashad Burton, when he preached that sermon about, about putting the net over on the other side and picking it up, and I loved the ending where he said that even when you're wrong, you still are on God's radar. Yes. Yeah. Never out of his view. He can find you right where you are. Run yes, over. I remember that illustration on the phone. That thing was nice. And yeah. I felt that. And I know others did too. And then and then Richard Martin, Richard Martin ought to be ashamed of himself for preaching mm -hmm. like that. To be so young and to preach in such a mature way. To yes, cut sir. up the word of God the way he did and to use the language that he had, precise but powerful. Yeah. I'm thankful that he talked about a God who can be trusted in transition. Hey. Yes. Now, we are in transition. Mm -hmm. You don't know that, then you're just not paying attention. I mean, goodness gracious, we're stuck in our houses. What is social distancing? Who would have known just a few months back, this is where we would be right now? We're in transition. Mm -hmm. We need to hear that word from Richard Martin. And there were no wasted words there. Those were powerful words as he preached God's message to us. And then last night, we knew Laurent Grosvenor was going to bring it. He just has to wake him up at midnight. He'll wake up and he'll be preaching. He was born <laughs> to preach. That's a preacher's preacher. And I saw some of the comments on there saying, I like this. I like this. And I was one of those who also liked it because I could hear it. The oxymoronic uh, 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 title that he had, a little oxymoron there about, about God's perfect bad timing. That thing got my attention, and then he made a lot of sense when he started delivering that message about Joseph. Thank God what we've experienced. Tonight, I do want to share a little bit. I want to share a little bit, and I have a couple of texts that I'd like to read, and I'll read those texts in just a moment, but I'd like to start by, by speaking of um, Kobe Bean Bryant, recently deceased, one of my favorite players. I, I am a Laker fan as as James Doggett Jr. Uh, made mention, anyone who was going to stay in our house had to also be a Laker fan. So all my sons are Laker fans. And so we mourn the death of Kobe Bryant. And I was just looking back uh, through the record of his life. And I could see a little, a little uh, epiphanal place, a transitional place where things changed for him. I don't know if you remember, but back in 2003, he got in some trouble. He was a great basketball player setting records. But he was in a little trouble. He, he was accused of committing a heinous act in, in uh, Colorado. And he was facing uh, the legal charges. And at the same time, he was playing. And some three years later, he was being interviewed by Stephen A. Smith on a talk show called Quite Frankly. And Stephen A. Smith asked him, said, Kobe, uh, what did you learn going through what you went through three years ago in, with the Colorado incident? where you were accused of a crime and you were playing even while you were going back and forth to court. And he said three words that I want to repeat. He said, looking at Stephen A. with a stare that almost looked like he was looking beyond Stephen A. He said, I learned God is great. God 
is great. But Stephen A. said, well, that, that's what you learned. You didn't know that. He said, no, I knew it, but I didn't know it until I had to carry a cross by myself that I couldn't carry. And he not only picked up the cross that I couldn't carry, but he picked me up and carried me too. The bottom line is in his trouble, he learned something and could say, now I know it. Trouble has a way of doing that. You know, you can know something, but not really know it. The trouble has a way of catching your attention. And, and when you get out of that trouble, when you come out on the other side, and the Bible does say, yea, though I walk through the valley. When you come out on the other side, COVID-19 is not the end of the story. This is just a valley time right now. But when you come to the other side of the valley, there, there will be some things that you now know because you learned them in the valley. I want to talk a little bit about what I think is going on right now and how God tends to deal with us. Let's look in Matthew, the 14th chapter, to begin our short journey. Matthew, the 14th chapter, beginning with verse 24. Matthew 14 and verse 24 and moving forward. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Is it a ghost? And they cried out for fear. Verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I want you now to turn to Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, Deuteronomy 32. And beginning with verse 9, these words are penned. And these two texts that I will read, the first in Matthew and this one, are connected. Deuteronomy 32, verses 9 through 12. Here the words are penned as Moses was speaking, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye, as an eagle stirs up its nest hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God with him. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. I want to speak for a little bit tonight on the subject, the eagle is stirring the nest. The eagle is stirring the nest. Yeah. Some people are wondering what's going on, and I don't have any special insight beyond what the Bible tells me and what the Holy Ghost is indicating as I've looked around at our world. 
it is absolutely clear that things are not normal right now. We are, we're disconnected from much of what has identified us. Many people can't go to their jobs. Their, their degrees aren't proving to take them through this time with any kind of dignity. Everybody's looking towards the future, wondering what's going to happen. How long will we be sequestered? How long will we be quarantined? Exactly how long will this season last? How long will I have to leave the house and wear, wear a mask? How often am I gonna have to wash my hands in the coming days? How long is this disease that we don't have a grip on going to continue to sweep across the country and our world? And, and how long, how long, what's really going on? I don't claim to know the day nor the hour of the coming of Jesus Christ, but I do know that Jesus is coming soon. Because every indication of scripture says to me that the Lord is about to return. But I'm also aware when I look at the condition of God's people, the condition of the world, and even my own condition, that maybe we're not quite ready for his coming. Maybe we're half-baked. Maybe we're not fully committed. Maybe we are what Revelation calls lukewarm. I'm entering now into a season of prophetic insight. I'm studying his word because I see that in the last days, God's people are supposed to speak with a prophetic voice. They're supposed to talk with a knowledge of what's really going on. And I don't know everything, but I do know that we are in a special, unique time that seems to have supernatural origins. I don't declare that God has sent this virus. I, I don't know. God sometimes sends judgments, but I do know that God has permitted this pandemic. And at this particular time, I'm certain and I am sure based on my reading of his word, based on what I see him doing uh, to ancient Israel. And then in the lives of the disciples as depicted in Matthew, when we read it a moment ago, that God will do whatever he has to do to get our attention. Yes, he will. In fact, he will use trouble to teach us and he will use trial to change us. It seems like we never get it until we enter the classroom of trouble. Seems like when we're on the playground of ease, we, we don't really much listen. We just seek pleasure. We go to and fro. We, we seek church for the sake of pleasure. And if we like the music, we'll hang. If it gets too long, the service goes too long and there's too much work. In fact, if the preacher even reads a text that's too long, then people will start checking out and they're gone. I would suggest to you, he's pulling us off of the playground now and taking us into the classroom of trouble. Oh, we, we get changed when we go into the classroom of trouble. We listen when we're in the classroom of trouble. When we already know we can't make it happen, we will listen to somebody who just might be able to make it happen. God lets trouble come our way so that he can change us. He doesn't just want to teach us now. We already know a whole lot of stuff and we are intellectual, but we're not very deep in terms of relationship and commitment. Maybe it's not just he's trying to teach us stuff. Kobe knew God was great, but it wasn't until he got in real trouble that he said, now I know that God is great. I can't say whether Kobe saved or lost, but I do know on the very morning of the day he died, he was in church. And he was a different man after that day. He was changed by what he learned. And I would suggest to you right now, God is trying to change us. Go to the passage now in Deuteronomy. 
And what you'll find is that God uses the classroom of trouble sometimes. In fact, Moses, as he's now making his closing speech, he's, he's had kind of a, an up and down relationship, a complicated relationship with Israel and with God. He's led them for 40 years and it hasn't been an easy 40 years. And now he's about to climb up onto the mountaintop and die. He's making his last speech to Israel and he's going back through the pages of his mind, remembering how God has dealt with the people. He knows how the people have dealt with God. Rarely have they been faithful, but now he goes in these verses towards the end of his speech to what God did with the people. The text says that, that, that God is like the eagle that stirs the nest of the eaglets and flutters the wings above and, and even comes and swoops up the eaglets. You know what eagles are like. Eagles are very independent birds, but they're also monogamous birds. So a husband and a wife might fly off, but they come back together once a year. The eagles take care of their young. They, they have the babies. And then one eagle will sit in the, in the, in, in the tree nearby keeping watch over the mother or the father or the one who's in the nest with the young eaglets. Eagles are very strange architects. They have a very weird way of building their nests. They start out with a lot of rough material, thorns and, and rough branches and, and things that you would not want to put a baby bird on. Then they go and layer it over with a lot of comfortable down and, and soft leaves and, and they make a nice bed and a spacious dwelling for the eaglets to live in. Eaglets will then begin to grow very large and, and they're never left alone. When one parent goes off to find food, the other eagle is right there with the eaglets. The eagle that goes to hunt the food comes back and with the beak gives the food right into the beak of the eaglet, gives them the best service possible. But as the eaglets begin to grow, the eagle begins to withdraw just a little bit. Now, for the first time, the eaglets are left alone for extended periods of time. And when the eagle with the food comes back, the eagle will begin to just drop the food in the nest and make the eaglet have to scurry around and get it. The eagle will then come in and will hover above the nest and flutter the wings in such a way that the down begins to fly out and the leaves begin to fly out and, and will hold the food a little bit out of the reach of the eaglet and then drop it again and the eaglet will have to go and search for it. And each time it searches, it's now crossing a, a, a terrain that is uncomfortable. The soft stuff is gone and, and now it's just on top of, of thorns and, and those things that make life uncomfortable. And now the food isn't coming on a regular basis and being delivered right into the mouth. And the eaglets now have to do something if they're gonna survive. Growing fast and in need of gaining more weight, they now have to make a decision. And so they're so uncomfortable, yet they're so un, 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 unmoved and, and, and un, un, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? They have no exposure to how to go get their own food. And so there is a fear and there is a comfort in staying in a situation that doesn't feel good, that isn't right, but at least it's a comfortable space. It's non-functional and it's not really working, but it's 
hard to even with the discomfort bothering them, leave the place where they are. I want to stop right here because you and I both know that many people are coming and leaving church and they know they're not comfortable. It's not working. But it's so, it's, it's so, so, they're so used to it that, that they can't reach out and try something else. There are people who are going through the rituals of religion still, and, and they're not getting any spiritual weight on them because, because they're in a place that they're afraid to leave. But God has pushed it, us out of the nest. The eagle will eventually, if the eaglet won't do it on his own, just, just jump out of the nest and attempt to flap its wings. An eagle will literally push out the eaglet if the eaglet does not give in to the discomfort and try to do something else. And when it's pushed out of the nest or begins to flap its wings on its own, just trying to do something more fulfilling, something different, uh, the mother eagle is there, the father eagle is there to swoop underneath them if it looks like they're about to fall. But they are made discomfort for the sake of changing so that they can be all they were intended to be. The eagle's wings will never get strong. The eaglet's wings will never get strong if it stays in there just getting fed in that comfortable place. So part of the architectural design is crisis. Remember now, in this text, God is the eagle. And God will use crisis in your life to make you so distraught, so disgruntled, so uh, uncomfortable, so so discombobulated, so, 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 so uncomfortable. He will do it for the sake of making you move and become changed. I call it divine disequilibrium, where God will send you a little trouble or a little trial. He'll take you right into the classroom of trouble so that he can teach you something you need to know. He will stir the nest. He will make you uncomfortable so that you can change because we just don't, don't, don't give in to change very well. In fact, we resist change. One wise man, one wise man, his name was Anatole um, France. He was a French poet back in the 19th century. And he put it this way. He said, even when it's a desired change, we tend to resist it. And the reason we do is because some melancholy always comes with change. Because whatever we're leaving, we leave a little of ourselves behind with it. And to cross into the region of change, into a new life, we have to leave the old one. So we tend to mourn even before we begin to change and we resist it at all costs. You, you all know, some do, that I've had transplants. Transplants I've had have saved my life. God has saved my life, but I have new parts. And because of that, I am alive. My kidneys weren't doing anything. But when I got new, a new kidney with a transplant, the new kidney worked well. And I thank God I haven't had any trouble. It's been over 10 years since I had that transplant and that new kidney is cranking out all that it's supposed to. It's working. But here's a problem. I have an immune system that doesn't like change. Immune systems are designed to fight against things that come in that, that don't belong there. It will literally turn on my kidney and my pancreas that I got as transplanted parts that work, and it will destroy the new parts because those parts are new. My old kidneys that did not work, my old pancreas that did nothing, my immune system won't bother that because it doesn't work, but it belongs. 
it's comfortable. It's it's always been right there in those places where they are. It, it's not new. It's not change. It's, it's the familiar dysfunctional part. It doesn't work, but we're not going to bother that. What does work, which is new, we must attack because we don't know where this is going to take. I remember when working with one church, I used to hear all the time, we, we started this church, didn't exist before. And I would have hoped that there would have been great celebration for a new church beginning, uh, people who love the Lord. But, but what literally happened is people were always making predictions about where it was going to go. You know, this is, this is different. Well, different ain't bad. Unless it's perfect, it needs to change. And let's just be real about it. We're not perfect and we need to change. So we need a little trouble. We need it. Well, the eagle had to stir up the nest of the disciples. That's the Matthew text. Because they weren't getting it. These, these guys really felt very sufficient on their own. In fact, they were trying to force the hand of Jesus to become a worldly ruler after they saw him feeding 5,000 folks with a little bread and some fish. And so they're going to force their hand and, and get their plan to try to make it work. And God said, wait a minute, i got to stir up this nest. These little eaglets, they, they're not growing like they should, and they got to change. they got to change the way they think. So Jesus went across the ocean, and uh, the sea, that is, and he told, he told his disciples, you all come right on over, get right on over, and I'll see you on the other side. And, 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 and they did not come right over. Now, let me tell you something. Let, here's, here's the question that I'm answering now. What is it God is trying to teach us? What is it that we should come out of this season of trouble absolutely knowing for sure. I would maintain that in the text we read in Matthew, there are at least four things that we have to learn during this period of sequester. Right now, I believe the trouble is designed to teach us at least four things. Well, number one, look at the story. The disciples finally take off after slowly getting into the boat. And when they get into the boat, it's the fourth watch of the night, that is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. when in fact the storm at sea has gotten so bad they've almost given up and they think that they're going to die. First thing that they learned is that they were limited. As humans, they were limited. How were they limited? Number one, they were limited in intelligence. They didn't know what to do. They were bailing water. They, they were throwing stuff overboard. They tried everything they could and nothing they tried worked. They weren't smart enough. They weren't skilled enough. They weren't powerful enough. They were not in control. They did not have enough faith. They did not know what to do. They did not have enough stamina. The story is that in fact, they had basically given up because they could not make their situation work. We better learn during this season that we are not in control, that as humans, we are limited. How far is your degree getting you right now? How far? Is all of your working out getting you right now? How far are your connections getting you right now? This is a, a, a virus that doesn't care about your name, doesn't care about your race, doesn't care about your country, and everybody is uncertain on how to deal with this. I'm hearing it could be as long as two years before we find a vaccine, which means life will not come back to normal. In fact, how about all that money you had in the stock market? We're looking at a at an economy that is crashing all over this world. Paper is not worth the, 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 the paper is not worth, the money is not worth the paper that it's being uh, written on. It, it, look, the economy is crashing. What's going on in our world? And it's happening so fast. 
we are not in control. And they learned that as they were out there about to die and they had lost their hope. Limited. We're limited. Number two, they also learned that night that God is great. While they are limited, God is not. There's no limit to his love, no limit to his concern. The Bible says that when they were in their, their most needy position, they see Jesus coming, walking across the water to come see about them, not waiting until they got to the other side to scold them for their wrong, but he came right out to them to meet them at their point of need. There was no limit to his love, to his concern, to his wisdom, or to his power, because what Jesus does is he rescues them. Now, when the boys were out on the boat, they not only were limited in their strength, ability, skill, stamina, and all of their control was gone, but these boys did not even know how to pray. When God comes walking across the water in the form of Jesus, their limited exposure even leads them to believe that things they had heard when they were pagans was true. It's a ghost. These guys, these guys were pathetic. They, they were just pathetic. But that night, they learned how to pray effectively. At least Peter did. Because what we find is when he comes walking across the water, that is Jesus, Peter looks and he prays. Whenever you're talking to God, you're praying. You know, it's not just a prayer where you say, Father in heaven, and use words like bestow. It is prayer when you're talking to God. And he says, if it's you, that's a prayer. If it's you, then let me come out there to you. Then, he, then when he's beginning to sink after he gets out of the boat, he, he just reaches up and he cries out for help. Now Peter's praying. Now Peter's praying. Peter learned how to pray that night. Can you imagine the prayers that took place on the boat? I'm coming home, but can you imagine the prayers that took place on the boat when nothing really was happening? They went back into the roller decks to think of the miracles Jesus had done. And no doubt they began to pray, Lord, like you did before in Matthew 6, would you please stand up on the tempestuous sea and just say, peace be still? But it didn't come to pass. That wasn't the plan of God. They probably asked, Lord, if you can just get us through this tough time to the other side, if you could help us manage the storm and, and keep the waters at bay, Lord, if you could just save our lives. But when Peter got exposed to something new, something he did not even know was possible. Oh, he was in the school of learning right there in the schoolhouse called Trouble. And when he saw Jesus come walking across the water, Peter said, I didn't even know that was possible. I was unaware that I could walk on the water. I wanted the water to stop, but I see that it must be possible to walk on the water because here comes Jesus and he's walking on water. And his prayer was now God-sized. He says, Lord, I don't want to just survive my trouble. I want to walk with you on top of my trouble. I want to walk on the water. You don't have to make it behave. You can give me strength and power to walk on top of it, unaffected by it. And what Jesus did was answer his faith prayer that was God-sized. Come on, walk on the water. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes our prayers are too small, but when you get in trouble, you start learning how to pray. You get a little moaning in your voice. You'll stop using all those 12-syllable words. 
You'll start opening up your heart to God as to a friend. You'll start telling the truth about your situation. You'll start calling on God. And you're never in any better position than when you become exposed to what is available to the child of God. Bible says, I withhold no good gift. Just like a father who gives good gifts to the children, I'll take care of you. I won't withhold a gift. But the problem is sometimes God always honors our power to choose. And sometimes we don't know what to choose. That's why our prayers matter. What Peter said was, wow, I didn't know I could do that. But now that I know it, I'm asking you for it. Here's, 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 here's what, what I, I want to begin to land with. There is um, there's a marketing strategy called secret menu. Secret menu. Secret menu, I love the concept. It, it helps people feel like they're insiders. They know some things that, that gives them the ability to get stuff others don't have. It puts you uh, as part of the underground, so to speak, who uh, you know the underworkings of things. It, it puts you in good position. I learned about secret menus, and a lot of restaurants have them. Most people don't know about it, but tonight you will. Secret menu is basically this. There's, there's something you can order that's just not advertised for everybody. And so I learned about this when my wife and I were uh, at a uh, In-N-Out burger joint. And somebody in front of us ordered some fries um, that just looked crazy. They looked like regular fries. And I didn't know what that was. I started looking on the menu and asked my wife about it. And we were kind of unaware of what that was. It, it wasn't there. We didn't see fries with all this stuff on it found out that uh, there's a secret menu. Wife said, hey, the kids at school told me that In-N-Out has what's called a secret menu. What's a secret menu? Well, you have to go look it up. They have a website and you go to the website and you, you look for their secret menu. And there are a lot of items on the secret menu that you can request that they just don't advertise. We, so we look at that and discovered that what that young girl had in front of us was animal fries. Animal fries are fried, uh, French fried potatoes with with cheese on it and, and with, uh, with uh, caramelized onions and, and with a special sauce made out of, out of dill pickle relish and, and, and mustard and mayo and, and uh, ketchup and some, some uh, uh, what is it, apple cider vinegar and, and a few more things mixed up in there. And it's all just gooey and nasty looking, so good. And we, we found out about the animal fry when we looked and couldn't wait to go back because now we had a whole list of things that we could ask for when we went up to the desk that we didn't even know about before. Before all we could our order was right, right there on, on the list with everybody else. But when we learned about the secret menu, we discovered that there's some things you could get if you knew. The thing about a secret menu is it's no good if you don't know what's on it. But if you know it's on it and you go up to the front and you order it, they got to make it and they got to give it to you. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a secret menu that the Christian has. It's a secret because folks just aren't looking. It's available to anybody who wants to know. And in this season of sequester, right now, while everybody's stuck in their houses, this is a great time to start learning what's on the secret menu. I would suggest to you that anything you need right now it's on the secret menu. If you need a little financial aid, it's on the secret menu. God said on the menu that, that we'll never get so desperate that we'll have to start begging for bread. He said our bread and water would be sure. I read somewhere on the secret menu, I believe it's Psalm 107, that he'll send healing to those who ask. 
I discovered that God is a God who protects his own. And when I go up to the desk and I order off of the secret menu, the promises of God, which according to the scriptures are yea and amen. I know his promises are exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could think or ask. They're great and precious promises, says one Bible text. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. The problem is we don't know what's on the secret menu. But God will teach you in times of trouble. When you start looking for your help and you start calling on his name, and that's what they learned that night, how to pray. And the last thing they learned is that he is God. And if he's God, that means he cannot lie. The Bible says, and this is the fourth thing you learn in trouble, that when they got back on the boat, those boys on the boat didn't know if Peter would make it, weren't even sure that was Jesus. But when they got back on the boat and the storm ceased, the Bible declares that indeed they then cried out this, is the son of God. This is the son of God. You can really get to know God in times of trouble. Like you can't when you're out on the playground just having fun. Right now in the classroom of trouble, why don't you spend some time writing down the precious promises and then calling on God, asking him for it because he'll give you what he promised to give. I close with this. I, I used to have my uncle take us to the store. I, I, he just do it. My uncle had no children. He liked to take us to the store once a year. We'd go and we could get any toy we wanted. My exposure limited what I would get. I was at that particular time in life very excited about two characters. I liked Batman and I liked Zorro. And so when we would go to the store, I invariably would go right past the, the mini bikes and the go-karts and the electronic toys and I'd go past the expensive stuff and make my way over to the plastic toys. And I grabbed me either a Zorro sword made out of plastic that lasted all of one or two days, or I'd get myself a Batman utility belt. Batman utility belt with a little plastic bat wing and a sorry little rope that I'd throw up on the tree limb and think that I could go swinging on it. It never ever worked. And within a week or two, it was busted and broke. It didn't work but that's all I was exposed to. I knew about Batman and I knew about Zorro. So I missed out on the good stuff because I just didn't know. What am I missing out on right now? Because I just didn't know. Sorry, but I can't trust you to tell me everything God has for me in here. I can't trust somebody else to tell me. I'm gonna have to look for it. It's right here. I'm gonna have to dig for it. I'm gonna have to look for it. And you know what I'm gonna do during this time of sequester? during this time of, 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 of sequester, yeah, that's what I'll call it. I'm gonna take time to take out some paper. Here we go. Here's the practical appeal. I'm going to take out paper and begin to write down the promises of God. I'm gonna write right beside the promises of God, the conditions, because obviously there are always conditions. God says, I'll do this, but I'm asking you to do that. So I'm going to write the promise, I'm going to write the condition, and I'm going to start praying like I mean it. Not like it's something I, I, I'm supposed to do, but something that I have to do. In a time of trouble like this right now, I have learned and I know for a fact that I am limited. I am not in control. I know that God is great. I know that now. I'm learning how to pray all of his promises. And I'm also 
certain and sure that he is the son of God. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you waste this good time of trouble we're having. Don't waste it. It's God just teaching us so that we will know and not just be somewhat aware. Limited. He's great. Learn how to call on him and know that he is the son of the living God. I pray for all of you right now that during this time, you don't waste it. I'm going to pray as a matter of fact, a prayer right now, because I know for a fact there's somebody on the line who needs to make a commitment to this God. This time of trouble is shaking you. It's shaking you. Praise God. It's the best time for learning. It's the best time for change. The eagle is stirring the nest and making it uncomfortable right now. In these uncertain times, the only thing you can count on is God. He will be an anchor and he will keep you steadfast and sure. But you're going to have to do your part. You got to make the decision. You have to commit yourself to him. If you believe and you're baptized, you'll be saved. That's what the Bible says. No need in just enjoying sermons and and feeling nice about some good music. The commitment has to be made. That's the condition. That's the condition. It's available. Go for it right now. Jesus, sweet Jesus, one who left the portals of glory to come across the tempestuous waves to save us from ourselves. We thank you, our God, that you are indeed a powerful God, a mighty God, a God who is absolutely in control with no limits. Thank you for revealing to us during this time that indeed we are not in control, that there is much that we cannot fix. But you, O oh God, according to the riches in glory and according to your faithful word, will always be near your children, providing everything we need. We commit ourselves now, Lord, to study your word so that we will know what's on the secret menu. We thank you for troubling our situation and making us uncomfortable being the way we are. Thank you for touching our, our bodies. Thank you for touching our relationships. Thank you for touching our jobs. Thank you, Lord, for touching our money. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done to remind us that you alone are great. Then, God, we know that you are a savior. So we're asking now that as we decide to give our lives to you, in full surrender, that you will give to us the confidence of knowing that everything you promised, you will give us if we but ask. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much, Dr. Doggett, for preaching that powerful and prophetic word. We received it tonight. And I want to just say this to those of you who I saw posting in the comments saying, Lord, I commit myself to you. We see you. God sees you. And we are going to be praying for you as you allow this word to germinate and you allow this word to grow into a fruitful and blessed future of commitment to the Lord, your God. At this time, I'm going to ask that if you need some special prayer, if you need if you need some, if you need to make a commitment to be baptized, then we want to encourage you to reach out to us. Please send us a message. It can be as simple as putting in the comments, contact me. 
If you put in the comment section, contact me, we will reach out to you. If you reach out to us by sending a private message through the Facebook, The Quarantine Revival page, then we will reach out to you. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let this word just inspire you and get your heart pounding and your adrenaline pumping. Make that next step and we are going to help support you along your way. Dr. Doggett, thank you so much for your faithfulness this evening. God is smiling upon you. And thank you again for taking this time to deposit that word into our spirit. We received it with open hearts. Pastor Damon Hendrickson, thank you so much for coming with us tonight and for leading us in prayer. I wanna remind you as we prepare to close that you do have an opportunity to sow a seed and help a family in financial crisis by sending money via cash app to here's the handle, the money sign, the quarantine revival. I'm gonna say that again, the money sign, the quarantine revival. So many of you have been giving and this money, all of it is gonna go toward helping people in financial crisis. If you need help, reach out. If you know someone who needs help, reach out. We are here for you. Again, we, I believe, I believe God is gonna move in such a mighty way that some of you who are listening and tuning in are going to make the decision to get baptized. Dr. Doggett, if you can unmute your, your mic real fast. Doc, I believe that somebody who listened to your message tonight has been convicted to the core and needs to make that move. Can I just ask you for just one second to just pray maybe a short prayer over these specific individuals who are in that place of decision. They're right there in the valley. They heard the message and that thing has convicted their hearts, but I need you to pray and push them now to the place where they will respond. Amen, amen. So close, so close. The point of conviction, you're so close. Now you need to take that step past conviction to decision. God will honor your decision. Don't worry about the path. He'll lead you down the path, but you've got to decide that you're going to walk it. I pray now. Father, in the name of Jesus, there are souls who have been convicted. You've been working on them for some time now, and they know that change is needed. We recognize, oh God, that change is hard, but we also recognize that you're such a good God and you're such a good father that indeed there is no danger in trusting our lives in your hands. I thank you, Lord, for putting us in a position where nothing we do is going to solve the problems that we face. Thank you for putting us here because now, in our helplessness, we know that you will step in and be strong. So right now, I rededicate my life to you. I ask that those persons whose hearts you're working on right now will insist that you save them. May they be like Jacob, who holds on and declare, I won't let you go until you bless me. Tonight, may they experience salvation as they simply say, yes, Lord, I give my life to you. Please be their strength and take over. Provide for them what is necessary to get to the point of, of total conversion. May they experience it this night. When we're off the air, God, may they please know that you still are willing to accept their yes. In the name of Jesus, we trust that it is done. 
and that they will give their lives to you, confessing that you are Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen.